National unity is not something unique to the Jewish people, but what is unique about Jewish unity is that it is not simply shared ideals or uniting for a common cause. Commenting on the Pasuk that says that the Jewish people camped at the foot of Mount Sinai, Pirish Rashi, Rashi says it means, which is in the singular, he camped there, Israel, that the entire Jewish people was as one person with a single heart. And that's as opposed to other places. But all the other travels that the Jews had in the desert, there was always grumbling and there was conflict. Now, it would appear that Rashi's intention is that Rashi wants to analyze the Pasuk and explain in a similar way to the Midrashic source the Mechilta does, which is that here the Pasuk says the word which is in the singular, which is unlike other references in the Torah, where it's always, and they camped in the plural. So therefore, Rashi wants to explain because this particular time that they camped in this particular spot at Har Sinai was it was like one person with a single heart. But all the other camps that they stayed at, there was a lot of discord. And therefore, it would appear that Rashi is saying, like the Mechilta, everywhere else is in the plural to emphasize the fact that there is disparity. And here it's in the singular to emphasize the fact that there is unity. That's what it would seem. But there's got to be more to the story when you compare, when you consider what Rashi quoted as the heading for this particular Rashi. But if we need to understand. Let's assume that Rashi is speaking as the Medrash Mechilta does. And the whole basis of his interpretation is because of the word in the singular, Vayichan, Lushen Yochid. Then, then the only word from the Pasuk that Rashi should have quoted as his heading for this commentary should have just been the word Vayichan. Why did he say as the heading, not only Vayichan and he camped, which is the word that apparently gives Rashi this insight, why does he also add the words Shom there and Yisrael, the Jewish people? Now, to say that why put the word Shom, well, that should be fairly easy to explain. We could say that the addition of the word Shom over there is Lishitas Rashi, following the, the logic that Rashi uses. Because Rashi wants us to know that all the other times the Jews camped, there was some kind of fighting or argument going on or splitting. So, it could be that Rashi is telling us we don't only know that information because like the Mechilta says, everywhere else camping is used in the plural. But Rashi would seem to be telling us that there's something in our Pasuk that highlights exactly that information. That camping as a singular entity was only there. It's only there at Har Sinai. That was the only place where everybody was united as a single entity. Like one person with a shared heart. And nowhere else. And that would actually be fine. If Rashi had said, that would be fine. Maybe Rashi is even saying more than that. The only way that we know that Vayachanu in the plural everywhere else implies discord is only from this place. Because the Torah specified there at Sinai, that's where they were united. 
Because the reality is, to use a plural word when you're referring to a great group of people and saying they camped, you could explain that very simply. That it was a group of very diverse people who all happened to be camping in the same place. But it doesn't mean that they had to have any discord between them just because it's in the plural. So the word Shom makes sense as part of Rashi's title. But the real question is going to be Why did Rashi use the word Yisrael as part of his headline? Actually using the word Yisrael seems to conflict with Rashi's point. The fact that Rashi quotes the word Yisrael will actually contradict what Rashi is trying to tell us. Because the moment the Torah uses the word Yisrael, which is a collective noun, which means that you have millions of people here referred to as a singular entity, the nation, Israel. If that's the case, then it actually makes sense to use a singular word, to camp. And that entity called the nation of Israel camped in the singular. That would actually make sense. And once Rashi has introduced the word Yisrael into the mix, then how does Rashi learn from the words of this Pasuk that it's actually saying everybody was united in a unique way as one person with one heart? Where do you see that? Now, perhaps we could suggest that maybe unlike the Mechilta, Rashi is more concerned not just simply with the singular word which is in the singular form, Maybe what bothers Rashi is the fact that the same pasuk seems to change the grammatical context. The beginning of this self same pasuk says, and they camped in the desert. In the plural. And immediately following that, then the Torah says, and he camped in the singular. Maybe that's what's bothering Rashi. The fact that the Torah changed its grammatical setting from plural to singular in one sentence would indicate that when they arrived across from the mountain, when they were in the desert of Sinai, there was still the diversity. When they got to the mountain, now there was suddenly a new experience that they were like a single entity. Maybe that's what's bothering Rashi. The only problem with that is it's not uncommon for the Torah to do exactly that, to use two different grammatical settings in the same sentence. There are many places in Torah when in reference to the Jewish people you have plural and singular in the same sentence. In one pasuk, in one context. Let's use an example from our own parasha. The people saw the word Vayar is in the singular. Vayonu, Vayandu and they trembled and they stood at a distance are both in the plural. Same pasuk. Look at last week's parasha. Also, Vayar The nation saw Hashem's powerful arm or hand. That's in the singular. And they feared Hashem and they trusted, they believed in, in Hashem. Those are both plural words. So it can't be that Rashi is so shocked at the, the, the concept of the Torah changing from singular to plural or plural to singular in a single pasuk because it happens elsewhere. So what's driving Rashi and how does Yisrael not undermine the fact that Vayichan should be in the singular and there's no need for a deeper explanation? 
Now, we also have to understand that it would appear, as we already noted earlier, that Rashi is basing his commentary on the Mechilta, in which case we have to say, well, why does Rashi then say it differently, quite differently, to how the Mechilta says effectively the same things? But Pashas Makarish Rapish Rashi Huba Mechilta, it would appear that Rashi's basis is the Mechilta, not other Midrashim who say similar things. The problem is, Abolashana Mechilta, he, look how the Mechilta describes it. It says, any time that it uses plural words, they camped, they traveled, it means it means they traveled in a state of discord and they camped in a state of discord. Whereas here, they all shared one sentiment, one heart. And therefore here it says that they camped as a singular entity in front of the mountain. You can immediately detect a number of differences between the language that Rashi uses and the language that he sourced the Mechilta uses. We'll look at three of them. The Mechilta said, They were all equated with a single heart. With Rashi, Rashi Pirate, he says a little bit more specifically. They were like one person. With one heart. Why that change? Number two, Bayes. The Mechilta speaks about the fact that they traveled with discord and they camped with discord. Rashi uses two different descriptions of that discord. That there was their grumbling or complaining and their discord. The Mechilta then summarizes it by saying, therefore, the Torah says, they camped as a single entity across from the mountain or in front of the mountain. And you'll notice that Rashi only quotes the part that says Israel camped in the singular and he doesn't mention the context that it was in front of Harsinai and the question is why? And then also, one other thing we have to understand is that Rashi seems to have said something very similar to this in the previous parasha, and we need to compare the differences. Where does Rashi say something similar? We found the same content described by Rashi in a different place, but as we will note with some significant differences, in the previous parasha. Where is that? When Rashi comes on the Pasuk that says, that the Jewish people now at the shores of the Yamsuf look up, they raise their eyes, and it says that Egypt was chasing after them or traveling behind them. It's in the singular. So Pirish Rashi, Rashi explains, why is it in the singular? Sounds like the same message as here. With one heart, like one person. Now what's interesting over there is Here Rashi tells us Yisrael And we're saying that, that that actually causes trouble for Rashi Because Yisrael is a good explanation for why Vayichan is in the singular Why does Rashi have to give another explanation? Rashi avoided that. He did not quote the word Mitzrayim as his header, so that you wouldn't have this question. Which is different to how he explains it. Where he used the word Yisrael. And there's a very good reason why Rashi would have left out the word Mitzrayim from his headline, headline in Yochid, Because as we ask on our Rashi here, the word Mitzrayim is a good explanation for why Nasea would be in the singular. So let's leave it out so it doesn't raise that question because Mitzrayim could refer to a single entity called the Egyptian nation 
Okay, now that we've brought up that Rashi, let's ask two questions or three questions on that Rashi as well. Aleph, number one. How does Rashi avoid the issue by not putting the word Mitzrayim into the headline? The word is still in the Pasuk. Surely the question is still there. Surely the fact that the word Mitzrayim is in the Pasuk raises the same question about Nu. <laughs> they, they, I don't need an explanation for why Nosea is in the singular. Mitzrayim is there in the Pasuk. How does Rashi avoid it by just not telling us? Base question two. How come there Rashi says, which surely is the part that Rashi has to comment on, why does he add the word achareim that they were chasing after the Jewish people? Why is that relevant to this discussion why Nasea is a singular, singular word? How come over here in our parasha he says that the Jews were like one person with a single heart? Whereas with describing the Egyptians he says they were with a single heart like one person. So the first layer of understanding this is we can distinguish between shared experiences and unique experiences and that will help us to understand when you say something in the singular if it's a shared experience or you say it in the plural if it is an experience that's going to be unique to each person. If the Torah is talking about a group of people, or in our case, a full nation, sometimes it will refer to them in the singular and sometimes in the plural. So it's quite simple to say, well, it depends on the context. What are they doing? Because when a group of people are doing something, there are two possibilities. If a whole group of people are doing the same thing in the same way, then you could refer to them as a collective, which is a singular, a singular noun. Because it is one action, although it's done by many, many people, it's one action. Whereas, But if a single activity is done in many different ways by a diverse crowd of people, who all belong to a single entity, a single nation, then we're going to speak about it in the plural, because there isn't actually a shared experience. And if, uh, so for example, if you had to say everybody uh, put on tefillin, you could say everybody put on tefillin. Whereas if you had to say that everybody lifted a weight, everybody would have a different weight that they could lift. So tefillin you could say in the singular and the weights you'd have to say in the plural. That's when you're talking about actions. But when you're talking about sentiment, or you're talking about thought processes, of a mass of people, nobody feels the same way or thinks the same way. Then there's always going to be diversity of experience. Then every time we refer to a group of people feeling or thinking, it has to be in the plural because no two people feel or think the same. Therefore, it's not a matter of the pasuk changed from singular to plural in one sentence. It's irrelevant. What are we talking about? So there's no surprise then that the pasuk could refer to one group of people or an entire nation, both in singular and in plural. Even in the same sentence, because it has nothing to do with consistency of the grammar. It has to do with context. What are we talking about? Is it appropriate to speak of them in a holistic sense or is it appropriate to speak about them as individuals?
Now let's use an example from Bashalach that we could relate to. Look at the Pasuk we already quoted. The people saw Hashem's hand. That's an ex- a shared experience. And then as a result of that, they had awe of Hashem and they had faith in Hashem. Seeing Hashem's hand means they actually literally saw Hashem's hand. In other they saw what Hashem did to the Egyptians. Everybody saw the same thing. So you can say Vayar in the singular because they all saw the same devastation of Egypt in Mitzrayim or here at the sea. But the minute we start to talk about their response, which is that they were in awe of Hashem and they now had strengthened faith in Hashem, obviously they're very diverse experiences and levels. That's why those words are in the plural, because everybody has a different experience of awe and a different experience of faith. Now coming back to our parasha, you could say the same thing about our parasha. The pasuk in our parasha, which is that the people saw and then they trembled and they stood at a distance. They saw, they saw revelation of God in us at Sinai. Everybody saw the same thing and had the same experience. It was one vision that everybody shared equally. But the fact that they trembled and the fact that they stood back at a distance or were thrown back a distance, these are that, that's personal. Different people are going to tremble different amounts depending on who they are, how sensitive they are. So therefore, it makes sense to say it in the plural because we're talking about a whole lot of very unique experiences. Now that we know that principle, let's plug it into the story of the Egyptians chasing the Jews where they are chasing in the singular. And Lahavdil, the Jews at Harsinai camping in the singular. The Pasuk that says the Paroi drew close. And the Jews raised their eyes. And they, they found the Egyptians traveling or racing towards them. Here were not focused on the fact that they were moving. We're not, the, the, the Pasuk is not just simply telling us the Egyptians were moving from point A to point B. The Pasuk is talking about why they were moving, because they were after the Jews. That's what's interesting to us. That's the focal point of this Pasuk. The Egyptians are chasing the Jews. That's their objective in this movement. It's a chasing after them, them being the Jewish people. Why did they chase them? Because they had a change of heart. Paro sent everybody away and then he regretted it. And the reason for that regret is because he and his people are wicked individuals who have malevolent intentions. Now, now the degree of wickedness is different across the scope of, of Egypt. There had to be various types. Paroi, one level of hatred. The advisors and magicians who might have been even worse. The difference between those who feared Hashem and listened to Moshe's instructions during the plagues and those who didn't. What about those Egyptians who begged Paroi to let the Jews go? That's why you expect the Pasuk to say they, in the plural, were chasing after the Jewish people because this is about their objective because they hate the fact they let the Jews go and that's different to each Egyptian. You expect noisim in the plural. 
Therefore, Valkach Meforshim Echadish Rashi Belevechot Kishechot. That's why Rashi has to explain and say, actually, they all shared the same sentiment like one person. In other words, he's telling us, Adarabah, contrary to what you would expect, the fact that it says Nasea in the singular, is not because they are Mitzrayim, a collective nation, and therefore grammatically it works to say Nasea in the singular, but it's Nasea, why? Because they have a shared objective of Achareim. That's why the word Achareim is part of his headline. They're all joined in the pursuit of the Jewish people. Because their chasing after the Jewish people was like a fish or in the first, not as you would have expected. With a whole different array of how important they felt it was to chase the Jewish people or how angry they were. That's what you would have expected. But it turns out that they all had a shared hatred and urgency to bring the Jews back. A single heart with equal hatred to the Jewish people. And because of that hatred, that's why they united as one person, which is Valkein Seder, who... Why Rashi specifies the order of events with the Egyptians is first a shared hatred, a shared feeling, and that causes Kishechot, a united front of people. Now, Derech say, using that information, we can extrapolate to how to understand the Pasuk Lahavdil about the Jewish people camping in a singular fashion at Har Sinai. The fact that the Jews were geographically in that place has already told us that in this pasuk, they camped in the desert. If we already know geographically that they're in the Sinai Desert, we must then assume that the additional words that say, and the nation camped there by the mountain, is actually there to clarify for us what it means that they camped. That now it's no longer speaking about the geographical location or their physical arrival in the place. Now it's elucidating for us what their attitude is to receive the Torah because that's what's going, this is the event that's going to happen in this place. And now that's going to raise a question. The spiritual soul preparation that is required. Which of course is related to the degree of enthusiasm and preparation to receive the Torah. Must have been in a different, totally different experience for every Jew. It had to be. Each person relative to where they are in their spiritual status and journey. The highest experience of preparing for Matan Torah with Moshe himself. Then Aaron Vashivim has him, Aaron and the elders. Then then you have all the other different levels of the Jewish people then you get to the opposite extreme from where Moshe is to the Jew who even after seeing the great miracle of Yamsuf says is Hashem really with us there's a massive spectrum of what kind of Jews are standing at Mount Sinai so you expect that there's a massive difference of spiritual readiness and that's what Rashi notices. Well, in that context, the logic would have dictated that the word to describe how this whole mass of people is at Mount Sinai has to be a plural word because they're so diverse. Why is it in the singular? That's what Rashi is addressing. 
How does he address it? By Tikkum and Akasav Saktevis, Vayichan Shom Yisrael. How does he address it? By not only telling us Vayichan, that's the big word that bothers us, and not only Shom that this was a unique experience, but Vayichan Shom Yisrael, Achleloi Hatevis Neged Hahor, as we'll see later, he specifically leaves out the words that it occurred when they were at the mountain. Hainu, because Rashi wants us to understand that the Torah is telling us, Shakavonas Akasav Kani, Shebetur Yisrael. That as Jewish people, how you call Bnei Ha'am Ki that was the unifying factor. We're all Jews. Be'ichod Zemzeh, who have absolute unity with each other. Avaloisha Kain Hoya Mitzad Amidosim Lefidar Goiseim Bachono Uverotzen Negadahor Lekabla Satoira. But Rashi leaves out the fact that it's at the mountain, because at the mountain would, would, would imply it's the fact that they are preparing for getting the Torah that, e- that is the equalizer. And that's for sure not the equalizer, because to prepare to get the Torah, everybody's vastly different. But to be there as a one nation, as a Yisrael, probably for the first time in history, to stand as Yisrael completely united because of who we are, that's what's happening over there. Because of this incredible unity that they experienced, that aroused within them this shared sentiment. They changed what should have naturally happened, that everybody should have had a different kind of motivation to receive the Torah because of their incredible unity as Yisrael that produces a shared sentiment of readiness and enthusiasm to receive the Torah. This is the fundamental difference between the unity of heart and person as it is with the Egyptians. The unity of person and heart which the Jews have. In the context of Egypt, the fact that they unite is not because they're a united nation. The fact that the united is because they have a shared objective. The shared objective is let's get the Jews. But if you analyze them independently of this scenario, as an Egyptian nation, they were never united. Couldn't be united. That's why there, when Rashi uses the headline to introduce that pasuk, he focuses on the words noisea, where the unity happens, and achareim, why the unity happens, because they're chasing the Jewish people. And he leaves out the word mitzrayim because there's no unifying factor of being Egyptian. Whereas when you deal with the Jewish people, the fact that the Jews are a single organism is because of who they are, not because of their objective or where they're going or what their intention is. It's intrinsic. That's why here Rashi specifies the word Yisrael is key to understanding the process because it is the Yisrael that brings them all together. And because they have this fundamental intrinsic unity as Jewish people, it produces a unified objective and a unified sentiment to receive the Torah. And that's uniquely Rashi's perspective. And that's why Rashi doesn't say the same words as the Mechilta, because the Mechilta doesn't highlight this perspective. According to the Mechilta, it's the shared experience and the sentiment to receive the Torah that unites them. 
שכל בני ישראל השתבו לזה לא זה ולא ורצה נכד לקבלת התורה, that they all had a shared enthusiasm to receive the Torah, ולכי מסיים, לכך נאמר, that's why the Mechilta adds, therefore it says, ואיכן שם ישראל נגד ההור. The Mechilta wants to say it's because of where they are, because they have a shared objective, that creates the unity. Rashi is saying it's because of who they are, regardless of where they are. They have absolute unity, and in this case it produces a, a, a way of behaving and feeling in context of where they are. Appear now, based on this, Rashi is effectively designating two different parts of the Pasuk. First of all, that there's an intrinsic unity of the Jewish people. And then there's an outcome, which produces a singular heart, which is a, a shared motivation to receive the Torah. With that in mind, Yuvan Gam Rashi that will solve why Rashi, unlike the Mechilta, uses two descriptions for the for the discord. What's what's Rashi implying? Because Based on how Rashi has explained that the Torah emphasizes specifically that there's a Jewish unity which is playing out over here, and then translates in a unity behind the Torah. So it says, Shom, this unique experience of unity was only at Harasina and not at other places. Everywhere else they camped, but there were, there were issues. What do you mean there were issues? There are two elements of unity that happen at Harasina, and unfortunately, both of those elements are absent throughout the desert. There's discord between the Jewish people themselves, which is the opposite of Har Sinai, where they are a single person. The second thing is there's a lot of grumbling, that's the complaining against Hashem. That's the opposite of their shared sentiment of being enthusiastic to receive the Torah. Now in this Rashi, we get this amazing, beautiful spiritual insight. The world as we know it is a place of conflict, diversity, discord. That's how they wish they're allowed it to be. So in its default state, our world does not present in a way that you see the link and connection and symbiosis of every single thing that exists. Of course, they're ecosystems, but we don't see the symbiosis of everything. If that's true for the whole world, it is certainly true of humans. Because they created us, that no two of us are alike. Our thought processes and outlooks are not the same. Which leads us obviously to behave differently to each other. Because the way we behave is a product of how we think and feel. So the, the behaviors of different people are unique and sometimes even clash. That's our world, a world of discord and disparity. Is it the goal? No. In order to have unity, which is the goal of the world, in our world, that's in order to produce true unity in our world, we have to expose the truth, which is Hashem Echad. That Hashem, who is of course the source of the world, is one. So disparity can't really be a real thing. Bearing that in mind, that the world is a naturally discordant place, and our goal is to reveal 
Hashem's oneness in the world. With that in mind, let's look at the distinction between Harash and the Michal to explain this uh, camping of the Jews at Har Sinai. There are two possible channels through which we can reveal Hashem into the world and the oneness of Hashem in the world. Both of those channels belong outside of the world or beyond the world or greater than the world. And they are the Torah on the one hand, the Jewish people on the other. As we well know, the Midrash tells us that's why the, 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 the world was created to, to facilitate what Jews have to do through the Torah. Now, if you take the approach of the Mechilta, the concept of being able to bring what the Torah introduces to the world, this otherworldly perspective, already started to influence the state of the Jewish people before the Torah was actually given. In the close proximity of the days leading up to Matan Torah. That already at that time, as, long as, as soon as they came into the staging area of Matan Torah, the Mechilta says already then there was this sense and awareness of what Torah is supposed to affect and it rubbed off on them. They had a shared perspective and enthusiasm to receive the Torah. Whereas Rashi, who always explains in the most simple way that you could understand, practically this event is still prior to Matan Torah. Rashi says it doesn't make logical sense to say an event that hasn't yet happened will already have an influence over the people. And therefore, he says, that the unity expressed over here has to be unity that came from within, that came from the Jewish people themselves. From the depth of their neshama, the highest part of the neshama called Yechida, which is completely beyond the reality of what is logical. It's at the logical level that people are disparate, it's at the soul level that people are united. Yeah, they expose their soul. They experience that, that uh, DNA, that atomic center of Judaism that lives inside every single one of us. And not in the brain, by the way. It's not a product of the brain, but it's something you experience in your heart. And it's something that was already shared and exposed to the Jewish people as they left Mitzrayim. And that's why they had this amazing unity already, even before the Torah comes into their lives. And the truth is, as Rashi describes, because they were experiencing such a deep dimension of their own neshamas, and that caused them to have this amazing unity, that is what motivated them to have this massive drive to receive the Torah. Even though, as we've just described, the truest unity that Jews have is a product of the depth and essence of our neshamas, which is something only Jews could experience. Because they created the world in mirror fashion, where whatever exists in the holy realities has a counterpart in the not-so-holy realities. So only Jewish people can have the ultimate sense of innate unity, but the rest of the world also has some degree of unity. Because it is natural for the forces of Klippa to mimic and to, to ape human behavior or Jewish behavior. So if Jews are fundamentally united, 
the world wants to also have nationhood and sense of unity. And that's why the Egyptians could also experience an experience of complete unity, a shared heart. Which was so powerful that it brought them together almost as if they were a single person. But as we've mentioned, there's a very big difference between their and our experience. The nations of the world don't share a benefish concept. So they can't truly uh, unite <coughs> because of some essential intrinsic union. They can only unite behind a cause. In this case, the cause being the hatred of the Jewish people. But when you're dealing with the Jewish people, where our neshama is our truest self, that could produce within us the truest type of unity, because we are unified in reality, and then it's just a matter of experiencing it. Now, we've just mentioned that this incredible unity that is the product of the Yechidosh of Menefesh, cannot be replicated amongst other nations. Because we know that one of the very important effects of Matan Torah was that it broke down the barrier that had previously existed between the high and lower realms, between godliness and the created reality. So because there's a barrier that was removed by the giving of the Torah, therefore Paul that had an effect on nations of other nations as well. That even non-Jewish people are now empowered to be to get in touch with the godliness that that is within them the fact that they can be conscious of the godliness within them within the world the source of true unity that can present them with the opportunity for some degree of actually feeling united that would be similar to the unity that we as Jewish people feel obviously it won't be identical because they don't have the capacity as we are blessed to have because of our neshamas to tune in to godliness that is exponentially beyond the world it's only when you can link into that really, really elevated level of godness that can have true unity. But the fact is that the Torah has empowered nations of the world to be able to unite, which is an incredible thing. And not just unite, but to unite with an awareness of godliness. So the fact that the giving of the Torah presented an opportunity to every human on the planet to be able to connect with godliness in a level at a level that is beyond the comprehension of the human mind and beyond what divides us. This is something that actually translates into practical halacha. As the Rambam famously says, that when the non-Jews fulfill the seven Noachide laws, they are capable of doing so not just because it makes sense, and not only because of the historical reality that God commanded these things to Adam and then to Noach, but the halacha is that they should commit to the seven Noachide laws because that is what the Torah mandates. 
and it's information that was passed to us through Moshe that those rules previously given to the children of Noach are relevant to every human on the planet. As the Gemara Sanhedrin tells us, every one of us has to believe and say, the world was created for me. Which means the entire gamut of creation from the most uh, immobile, inanimate object all the way to the most sophisticated human. And therefore the world was created with a responsibility that I have to take to turn this world into a place of godliness. Therefore every single Jewish person has to do everything in their power not only to educate Jewish people with Torah and Chassidus, but also to have an influence over non-Jewish people to commit to the seven Noachad laws, and not just to commit to them, but for but that they should commit to those laws because that's what Hashem said in the Torah, and that way will bring achdus to the world, the ultimate achdus of the revelation of godliness in the time of Mashiach now.